ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 39, The Curse of the Exorcist. This is going to be, I mean, you don't really need your like learning caps on real hard today, but uh, I mean, I think this counts as film history. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to try to make an excuse for why, why it's okay to like, ah, this ain't like learning, learning, like, this isn't bridges, but you know, it's film history. What are you going to do? Uh, because there's the exorcist and the, the production of the movie, the exorcist is, I mean, there is a, a rumor that, that the whole thing was cursed. There's a number of accidents that happened. It was like the Magneto Gorska film sets. So it, it wasn't that bad. Not, it wasn't Gorsk bad, but it wasn't good. And because of the, the subject matter of the movie, like once a couple bad things started happening and then, you know, some of the cast and crew started talking about like, it's kind of fucking weird. We're making a movie about the devil. And then like, I don't know, that guy lost a thumb, huh? That was pretty weird. So the whole atmosphere was kind of, everybody who worked on it even was just a little, I mean, there was a couple people who were agnostic who didn't have, who didn't believe in it at all and just kind of thought it was funny. But uh, I mean, the lead actress who played the mom, Ellen Burstyn, I mean, she still talks about how like, she really believes, I mean, I watched a, a couple interviews with her and she, she seems pretty adamant that like there was something weird going on there. Um, and the movie, The Exorcist, I was thinking about whether or not I'm still, I'm like embarrassed to this, but yeah, I'm really scared of that movie. Like my whole, my whole life since I saw it, I've been scared of that movie. I remember we watched it in, I was in like seventh grade and we went to this, uh, this girl's house and it was like a guy girl hangout. So I was inherently super fucking nervous, but I also was like, I remember them being like, we're going to watch The Exorcist and yeah, like on the outside being like, yeah, nice. But on the inside, be like, God damn, I wish we were just playing a Frisbee or something. How the fuck am I going to make it through this movie? <laughs> Cause I had seen like chunks of it. Cause I'd always been scared of it. Cause I came up, I, uh, when I was like young, I went to church a lot, um, on Sundays, like, uh, uh pretty regular. And it was like a big deal. Um, and like, I'm not bragging, but I am confirmed into the Catholic church, dude, which, uh, if you don't know in, in that religion, you just like go to CCD and, I don't really know exactly how it works, but I just went to CCD for a while. And then in like eighth grade, they were like, you get to pick like a name if you want one. And so you get like a confirmation name. I picked Patrick because that was, uh, I remember then that guy's story. He was just fucking fighting snakes. So I was like, dude, go in Patrick. This guy's fighting serpents. Huh? That's what I'm talking about. But anyway, so I had, I think that's why the exorcist always scared me so bad because when I was young, there was like, I, I did learn like uh, Catholic religion and Baptist a little bit too, but uh, definitely Catholicism. And so I, th- and I also think that that's why when the, when the exorcist came out in the seventies, it did scare the shit out of so many people. Like when this, like people were throwing up, some lady fucking broke her jaw. Cause she, she passed out in the movie theater and was like, fucking broke her jaw. Like this movie was fucking people up when it came out in 73. But I think, I think part of that, the part of the reason why is because back in the seventies, like religion and, and going to church on Sundays, like a lot more people knew or, or practiced religion, uh, in a more serious way than they do now. But I mean, demon movies still scare people now. If you, I, mean, I don't need, I don't know if you need to come up with religion, but I definitely think it doesn't hurt as far as like how bad it's going to scare you. So at least for me, I mean, my whole life I've been fucking scared of demons ever seeing this stuff. I remember I changed a lady's tire because I, I had the thought of like, uh, that might be a demon. I was like 25, I was like 24, 25 maybe. I was like, uh, I was living uh, in South Philly. And so I remember I walked out. I think I was hungover, but like I walked over to Sunoco to go buy chewing tobacco. And then as I was going into the Sunoco, this old lady with like a, with like the oldest face possible, I'm not saying anything about her, but she was, she was very old. Uh, she like came out the double doors at the same time. And like too close to my face was like fucking, I popped my tire. I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. I didn't really think about it. And then walking out, I hadn't had the demon thought yet. And then walking out as she was, I saw her pulling her like Collywop three wheel vehicle out of that Sunoco on uh, on south broad and then she was gonna make a turn and i made i like i like made eye contact with her like definitely saw her see me and i was just like i just flagged her down immediately i was like come on into this dunkin donuts parking lot i'll change that i'll change that tire for you i can't wait but which is a nice thing to do like here's the thing you change the lady's tire does it really matter why you did it but i definitely had the thought when i saw her pulling her collywop car out i had thought of like yo if this is a horror movie this is the jump off point where like if the if the if the guy doesn't do the thing, if the guy doesn't change a lady's tire, then the rest of the horror movie happens. Like this could be one of those tests. And the only thing I'll liken that too, if you ever seen the movie, the family man with Nicolas Cage, which is kind of like a, I don't know. It's a nice Christmas. It's maybe my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, Don Cheadle plays an angel in that. And so like, I think Nicolas Cage stops a robbery 
I mean, he definitely stops a robbery. I definitely know the point of this movie. I'm going to act like I don't know the fucking plot of Family Man. So Nicolas Cage stops like a robbery, and then Don Cheadle's hanging out, and he's like, you did a good thing. Turns out he's an angel and shows him like a glimpse of his other life. Look, I'm not saying these were good thoughts to have, but I thought like maybe that lady is the opposite of Don Cheadle, and this is like a demon test, and if I don't do it, then like, honestly, the worst case scenario, the, I, was, I was living with a girlfriend at the time, the worst case scenario would be like if the demon jumps into her, because then it's like, how the fuck you handle that? You know, in the middle of the night. I've had that before too, because I've watched like demon, I've watched like The Exorcist and other demon movies with other girls, and then like like slept next to them, and then it's like I have a hard time sleeping then because if we watch like The Exorcist and then I like I'll, I'll like I will not go to sleep first there, because I'm just next to you, and then like if you go to sleep, I'll like watch for a second, I'll just be like, yo, you better not fucking start speaking German or some sort of shit. I I am out of here. I am out of here if you sit up like The Undertaker right now. I have those thoughts. But I think it's because of how how I came up with with religion that it it scares me. I hope. I don't know if I'm making excuses or not. This shit scares the shit out of me. I was looking into it, and I got cocky. I felt myself being like, oh, I'm not even scared of this movie anymore. I'm all right. Dude, now I know how the special effects were done. There's some cool, I mean, there might have been a curse, but more, more or less just like a longer production where like some unfortunate things happened. I'll be all right. And then I had the idea of like, all right, well, why don't you test that, Chris? Because I hadn't gone on my walk yet, and it's like it's like dark out. So I was like, why don't you go for your walk and you listen to the Exorcist theme the whole time? Make sure that you're not scared of it anymore. And then once I got that idea, I was like, ah, like going back and forth. But because I was going back and forth, I was like, you gotta go do it now. So I went outside and put that Exorcist song on. It's uh, I think the actual song is called Tubular Bells Part Part Two. So I put that on. I was and I was gonna do my normal loop, dude, with my my posture and shit. It's like two miles. Yeah, I didn't, I got like less than 30% done that walk. And I was like, we got to turn this off. I think we've made our point. You're still terrified of this shit. Cause there's nobody, it's just, there's nobody out right now. It's just me and the exorcist theme in my head walking around. And some of the dude, some of the street, <laughs> which also this is crazy guy shit, but it would be, if I did it and not realize that I was trying to do an experiment to see if I was still scared of this movie, then it would be like, Chris, what are you doing? It's still kind of like, why are you out in the middle of the night listening to the extra steam to see if you're, see if you're scared? Like, you could have just been like, yup, definitely scared, go back in. But once I was scared, I was like, you got to finish this walk, dude. So I took my headphones out, and then that was, you know, I had to finish that walk, and that was not, there was a street light out at one point in time, and I was like, this fucking township needs to get it together. How is this street light out right now? Really, I was just like, damn, that's like dark woods on both sides. And that's like a, it's like half a football field I got to walk through right now. I had the thought of like, yo, keep your mouth closed. This is a dumb thought on that walk. <laughs> like, and there's no exorcist music going right now. I fucking cut that shit after I was like, fucking get this out of your ears. That actually, I played like upbeat Amy Winehouse music, which is embarrassing. But I was like, this will snap you out of it. It's like, a, I don't know, like a hot chick saying like fun things, having a good time. Put that in your ears. Think about other things. Other than a demon jumping into you. But yeah, when I walked through that part with no light, I made sure to keep my mouth shut because I, <laughs> because I was like, I don't know. This isn't demon math or anything, but in my head, I was like, he's definitely going to try to like leapfrog into your mouth. So keep your mouth shut. He can't get into your ears because your headphones. You always got is your eyes, dude. You can just juke him. You got that head movement. He can fucking, he'll think he's going to slam dunk in your eyes, dude. Just bring it on down and fucking shoot a brick off your forehead, dude. Demon bounces off. We fucking go home. Look, it was fun to do, but it definitely scared me for a while. Oh, and then, and then I was walking out of that development. I was done, dude. There's streetlights going, and I walked up to this, or I walked like past a house, and there's nobody out. There's nobody out. There was one person out. It was some lady in the shadows had her garden hose pulled across, so her garage light was on, which is, I guess, I don't know when she was up. It's like 1.15 a.m. What are you doing up watering shit, lady? Scared me. Meanwhile, I probably scared her to death. She doesn't know what the fuck I'm doing out there. I look like me and it's 1.15 a.m. She's probably more scared of me. I don't know. I was pretty scared of that lady because I didn't catch her till she was like, because I was on her side of the street too. So I didn't catch her till she was like 20 feet away. Just like a black silhouette having like a hose go back and forth. Just in the dark. Watering your shit in the middle of the night in the dark. I didn't run or anything. I can't run. So I was just like, all right, we're fine. We're, f-. but I also decided not to wave to her. I didn't want to further that interaction. I think it's strange that two adults saw each other at this time of night in this area. They just leave it alone. I didn't want to say hi to her. Cause if I say hi to her, what if she answers me back in like fucking Farsi or some kind of, you know, some sort of language she's not supposed to know. You know, I wouldn't guess that this lady knows like hard Russian and then like a couple of numbers and like a beep boop. I didn't want that interaction to go any further. I didn't even hit her with a wave. I was like, just keep walking straight. 
And as I did look back, I got like a football field away from her. I did look, look over my shoulder because she was the way this woman was built. She wasn't built for like really fast athletic motion. And so I did get into my head of like, dude, what if she look behind you right now? Cause I was, I was terrified that she was like crab walking real close to me. And that, here's the thing. If she was crab walking real close to me, that would have definitely been demon shit. Cause there's no way that lady can move. She shouldn't be moving that fast. And she's crab walking hard on me. Now I just laughed at myself. Like, dude, what the fuck are you going to do? If she was even crab walking on you, <laughs> do you do? turn around and bun her. Like, what the fuck? Chris, go home. This is a dumb idea, but it's nice that you got your walk in, but. Yeah, dude, you're definitely still scared of this fucking movie. So, I don't know. It is probably one of my favorite movies because it is fun to be scared of nothing. Like, it's completely who gives a shit. Nothing's going to happen scared. And, like, the, I don't know. Bad stuff actually happens the, the older you get. So, it's, like, nice to be scared of something that's totally inconsequential. So, I want to do The Curse of the Exorcist. So, we're going to go through it. Uh, we're going to talk about the demon that's in there. We're going to talk about – I'm going to run through the plot real quick just in case you haven't seen it in a minute. And then uh, we're talking about some weird shit that happened on the movie set, and then we'll be done with it. So, you know, hopefully your Monday's going well, and uh, we're going to get on, get right fucking to it. All right, so The Exorcist, released in 1973, supernatural horror film, and it also became one of the highest grossing movies in all the 70s. Now, the movie was based on a book written by William Peter Blatty about a real-life exorcism that was performed on a young boy in Maryland in 1949. Now, in the movie, it's a young girl, but in the book, it's a young boy. Or, no, I'm sorry. In the book, it's a young boy. In the book, it's a young girl. But in real life, it was actually an exorcism performed on a young boy. And Blatty said he changed the gender to be able to protect the boy's anonymity. Because William Peter Blatty was a student at Georgetown in 49 when this was happening. And he remembers seeing it in the newspaper and keeping the newspaper clipping because it was interesting. He was a writer. So he just kept the newspaper clip. He's like, ah, oh, that's fucking weird. But here's, but Blatty was a comedy writer. He had never written anything serious, let alone like a supernatural horror film before, before The Exorcist. This was his first whack at a different genre. But the comedy market dried up for Blatty. And so the way he described it, he was like, well, all I had to do was walk down to the unemployment office. I wasn't really doing shit. So it's like, maybe I'll take that old newspaper clipping out that I noticed when I was in college and see if I can write a book out of that. He said the idea was rattling around his head for a while. And so when he decided to write the book, he actually tracked down one of the Jesuit priests who performed the exorcism on the boy. And that priest told him, like, look, I can't tell you much, but like that fucking like that was that was the real deal, man. But also that priest was like, hey, uh, can you please be respectful to this material? Because it was like the real shit. And so Blatty made sure to try to protect the young boy's anonymity by making it a girl. So you can you never be able to find out who actually what actually happened to that young boy, but he did track down the priest, which I thought was cool. All right. So demon facts, let's talk about what demon we're dealing with in this movie. Technically the name of the demon, it's not Satan. Although at one point in time in the movie, the demon does claim to be Satan, but under the umbrella of demons, father of all lies thing, the thing was just lying to the two priests. So the actual demon that jumps into the girl in this movie is named Pazuzu. Now this is an actual demon in mythology and technically in, Ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu was the king of all the demons of the wind. And this is kind of a callback to the genies episode because Pazuzu is one of the ancient, Mesopota uh, ancient Mesopotamian demons that would help inspire the Islamic lore of the jinn, which is actually what genies are, or what you know as genies now. Genies trace back to the Islamic religion and uh, belief in the jinn, which then traces back to ancient Mesopotamian wind demons, a.k.a. Pazuzu. So we're dealing with, like, the grandpappy of all genies right now, technically. Also, it was definitely an evil spirit. So in the ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu was considered an evil spirit. He could cause famine. He was known to summon uh, swarms of locusts. Uh, but he was also the, the type of evil spirit that, like, he would fuck people up. He loved doing that. But also, every now and then, he would fight a different evil spirit. So, like, it was never a good thing if Pazuzu showed up, but sometimes Pazuzu would show up, like, if a different wind genie demon was trying to make a flood, Pazuzu would show up and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's famine time, baby, and then knock out that other demon, but then it was still famine time. So it's not, I mean, it's still, you're still losing. It's just what type of terrible you want. I mean, but, I mean, but Pazuzu would rumble with other ancient demon, uh, wind demons, too. So I thought that was interesting. Pazuzu, what do you look like, dude? All right, so it said that he had a body of a man, 
He had the head of a dog or a lion. He had the talons of an eagle. So we're dealing with eagle feet, dog head. He also had two different pairs of wings. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing that he could then fly straight up like a helicopter, much like the Mothman. Uh, and then Pazuzu also was known to have a scorpion tail and a snake dick. And I didn't, I, I'm not making up the snake dick part. That was in the description. Uh, Pazuzu was known to have a serpentine penis. So we got a, uh, we got a snake dick on old eagle feet over here. That's what he looked like, right? So we're not dealing with Satan. We are dealing with a high level genie demon here. The guy knows how to put on a fucking show. All right. That's good enough. So why did, was there any reason that the cast and crew of the exorcist had any reason to believe that this shit could be cursed other than like, this just feels weird. Yes. Now in 15th century Christianity, there's a concept called intervention, which states if you do anything about the devil to reveal him as the trickster, he is to like the public and the world, like blow his spot up. He will seek retribution on you. So, I mean, there is, I mean, there, that is, that is a thing that, look, is this a curse? I don't really think so. I think just, this is just a long movie shoot that a lot of people got fucked up on. But if you wanted to believe it is a curse, I mean, it would be the weakest technical curse we've covered so far. But I just like the movie a lot. I'm definitely still fucking scared of it. All right. Exorcist, quick plot. Let's run through it. All right. So the movie opens. You got an old priest and he's old as shit. This is played by Max Van Zito. Uh, but. Max was only, I think he was 42 when they filmed it, but he looks like 80 in the fucking movie. I didn't know that he wasn't old as shit when they filmed. That's how good the makeup was. And looking into this, I learned that Max Foncito was actually like 42 when they made this movie, but it was the makeup that they did on him to make him look old. I had, I thought that was an old guy the whole time. He plays an old guy. So, I mean, this is definitely an idiot being impressed with some shit he probably should have already known, but well done makeup guy. I didn't, you fooled me. Anyway, so Max Foncito He's fucking around in Iraq. He's on an archaeological dig. Some wind starts blowing. He's like, what's going on? He picks up a rock. He cracks the rock open. It's got an amulet of Pazuzu's face in that rock. So I think this is technically when the demon was released from the earth, when this old priest who was bumping around Iraq was like, what's going on over here? Cracks it open. Wind starts going. Jackal start fighting. And then Max Foncito has like a standoff with a Pazuzu statue, which apparently... Anytime you see Pazuzu posing up, he goes, uh, he goes like right hand, right hand up. Like he's swearing in on the Bible in court and then left hand down. That's just like, that's, that's how he likes to take pictures or whatever. <laughs> like, that's just how he always is. But there's a scene at the beginning of the movie after Von Cito finds that, finds that amulet. And then he squares off with a statue. And then we cut back down or we cut back to DC and Georgetown. And this introduces the family, including the girl who's going to get possessed. Now, the girl is 12 year old. She, her name's Reagan, and she was actually played by a 12-year-old actress for this movie, which was kind of controversial because of the subject matter, that, like, she had to say a bunch of nasty shit, and there's, like, one scene where, like, there's, like, a, uh, like a crucifix masturbation scene that happens in here, which is, like, I mean, she didn't do all, she also had, like, a stunt double, uh, it was, like, a 20, I believe she was 21 or 25-year-old stand-in uh, for some of the stunts, but, I mean... This actress, Linda Blair, who played Reagan, like did a lot of this shit herself. But apparently she's just kind of like flipping on and off and just like she, she felt like she was being I mean, she from the interviews, she it sounds like she understood what she was doing. So you're just screaming shit at people. And one of the things that uh, that one of the members of the crew said was that it was hard to laugh because she would just be like a nice little girl. And like the, the scene where they filmed The Exorcist in the bedroom and then they would hit, they would say action. She'd be like, your mother sucks cocks and fucking like, and it was hard not to laugh sometimes as like a crew member. I could see that where it's like, oh shit, dude, don't laugh. But this is so funny that she, she was like having a milkshake and now she's screaming the worst shit I've ever heard. That was probably, that was probably tough not to laugh there. Anyway, so cuts to DC, Reagan's hanging out. Uh, and her mom is a well-known actress who's currently working on a film in DC. And the film in DC is being directed by a dude named Burt Dennings. That only matters because that guy has a very short run in this film that's about to come into play. So, mom's working on a film. Little girl's hanging out. There is a nanny, but little girl's got extra time. Little girl goes downstairs, finds a Ouija board. Uh-oh, I don't fuck with these at all. I don't, I mean, I don't, again, I don't believe in them, but I just don't like them at all. I remember when I was a kid, other people were like, I don't know, they were kind of around. I never liked it. If ever that was brought up, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. But in the movie, and probably from the movie, that's why I didn't like to do it. It probably would have been fun to do it with some people, but I don't know. 
Anyway, so the, the little girl goes downstairs, finds a Ouija board, starts using it on her own, solo Ouija boarding. Maybe the scariest type of Ouija boarding to do, because if something happens, you know it wasn't you, dude. So she starts doing it, and then Pazuzu starts texting her through that thing. Inappropriate. That's a 12-year-old. Don't be texting them, dude. What are you doing? So Pazuzu starts being like, hey, what's up? My name's Mr. Howdy. So then the little girl, Reagan, has like an invisible friend. It tells her mom about the invisible friend, and the mom's like, I don't fucking know, whatever. Yeah, you got an invisible friend. I'm, I'm busy, dude. I'm doing things. I got I to gotta act. I don't have a whole lot of time for you. So little girl starts acting weird as shit. Nobody really knows she's got a demon talking to her yet, but that's what's going on. So the mom takes her to a bunch of psychologists, and the mom's like, my, my kid's like swearing and like moving around and saying she's got like, I don't know, she's like seizures in the middle of the night. What's going on over here? The doctors are like, I don't fucking know. What is this? I don't know what's going on with you. I can't help you. And then they send her for a bunch of other like medical, medical tests. And this is a part of the movie that made people throw up in the theaters because as they're going to get Reagan tested, because she's having like really outlandish behavior and nobody really knows what's going on. They send her for this type of brain scan that they used to do at the time where, and it's, it's shot medically correctly. It's shot correct. That's, this is what it looked like. But just having that like medical footage in the movie made a bunch of people throw up and like people cite this, there's like, maybe this is the worst scene in the movie. This is tough to watch because Reagan's like on a, on a hospital table. And the way they had to do this procedure is that they would inject ink into your bloodstream. So then when they did the the brain scan, they could see your brain better. But in the scene, they have to go in through your carotid artery and your neck. And it is tough. It's, it's a, it's a bad, I mean, look, if it's, if it's going to scare the shit out of people and make them feel sick, I mean, it was a really well done scene, obviously, but it's tough to watch sometimes because like they, they go into the neck and there's like a spurt of blood, but I would like to cite that there's two radiologists in the room when this happens and that'll come into play at the very end of the notes. But there's two radio, there's like the, the actual like doctor radiologist and there's a radiology assistant in the room when this happens. But again, they don't find anything. They're like, I don't know what's going on. She's, I can't see anything. And then the doctors actually at the end of all those tests are like, have you looked into an exorcism? Because even look, even if we don't believe in it, it still might work as like a placebo effect. If this is happening, we've heard of it working as a placebo on other on other people who have like something like this. And we don't really have any other solutions for you. What do you think about that? And the mom is like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not doing that. I don't even believe in God. We're not religious. What are you talking about? doesn't do the exorcism, but is thinking about it. I mean, once medical professionals put that in your head, they don't have any answers and your kid's still kind of wiling out. I mean, she is thinking about it, but anyway, so then she goes and she throws a party, house party, you know, cast and crew from the movie, friends, everybody comes over. That director, Burt Denning shows up. Also an astronaut shows up. So Reagan's upstairs getting slowly more and more possessed here because Pazuzu's taking, taking control over here. So she comes down the steps walks right up to this astronaut who's about to go into space in like a couple of weeks and is like, you're going to die up there. And then she pees all over the carpet. Yeah. Which I don't know. Is that possessed behavior? I don't know. I I mean, it's definitely got, you got to think about it, but it is like a scary part of the movie and that they were, no, that it wasn't the spider walk scene. No. So that's the part, that's the part in the movie where she comes down and she tells that guy you're going to die. And everybody's like, what the fuck kind of ruins the vibe of the party a little bit. A little bit later, so the mom is out, and Reagan needs a babysitter because she's kind of having bad behavior. And so the mom is like, hey, director Burt Dennings, can you come over my house and watch my kid tonight? I'm going out. Is that all right? And Burt Dennings, the director, is like, yeah, sounds good. And this guy was known to be an alcoholic. Like, he was hammered the whole time throughout this movie. So Burt Dennings is coming over babysitting, and all of a sudden, guy flies out the second-story window, fucking dead, right? Jesus, police come. What the fuck? But people chalk it up to like, oh, well, he was, uh, you know, that guy drank a lot. I bet he just fell out the window. Also, who's going to throw him out the window? He's just in there with a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, dude, you don't know she's possessed by Satan yet. So the police are looking at the murder, and they're like, all right, well, I don't know. He fell out. He was drunk, whatever else. But the one cop notices it like, yeah, he fell out. But also, his head is completely turned 360 degrees around. And I don't know how a fall would do that down these steps, because out of Reagan's uh, second store went, uh, so she, her bedroom's on the second floor where the exorcism takes place. And so if you jump out of that window, it leads to a steep staircase of just stone steps that are like 90 steps all the way down. It's just the way the house was built. That'll come into play. That's, that's part of the, the end of the movie. And those steps are kind of famous as being the exorcist steps. Um, anyway, so Bert Dennings fucking flies out the window, head turned around. People are like, what the fuck is happening with all this? 
So finally, the mom is like, all right, fuck it. I got to get a priest. I don't know what's going on here. She's getting crazy. And she fucking slapped me in the face across the room. She's way stronger than she should be. I don't understand why this bed's shaking. I'll go get a priest. We got nothing else. I, I think at this point in time, the mom has a black eye from getting slugged by the, uh, by the possessed kid. So she's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go get a priest, right? So the mom goes, and this is the introduction of Father Karras. Now, Father Karras is the young priest, and we already met the old priest who kind of let the dogs out over in Iraq when he found that amulet. That old guy is going to come back into the movie in a second, but this is the young priest who's in Georgetown. So the mom goes to meet with this young priest, Father Karras. Now, he has been educated in, like, psychology, and he's kind of having a crisis of faith. But this is maybe the coolest priest character I've ever seen in a movie before, because even though the guy's kind of conflicted, he still, like, runs laps and hits the heavy bag and stuff. And, like, I don't know. He's, he's working on it. He's just kind of, like, having a bad time. But he's trying to keep it together. It's really likable character. So the mom goes up to the young priest, and she tells him what's going on. And the young priest is like, fucking, I don't know. You got to go to a psychologist, man. Nobody's done an exorcism in forever. I've never even done one. This seems a little far-fetched. And the mom's like, you got to see my kid. She's fucked up. You have, I'm telling you, just give it. Just come see her. Because I, I got no other options, man. So finally, the, the, I mean, the young priest really does push back quite a bit, but eventually the mom like audio tapes Reagan when she's like tied down to the bed. Cause at this point in time, she's like a dangerous possessed kid. So they've like tied, tied the daughter down to a bed in her bedroom. They're like, all right, you gotta fucking yeah, chill out with this shit. But the daughter's doing wild shit, screaming in different languages, talking backwards, all sorts of just crazy shit. So the mom comes home and she needs to get evidence to get the young priest to be like, all right, I'll do the exorcism. So she audio tapes her daughter when the daughter's just screaming, possessed demon shit, just, just going and all sorts of, again, I think the languages that uh, they speak German, uh, Arabic or Farsi, there might be some Russian in there. And then the actual, how they like the sound editing is like, this movie is really respected for the sound editing. Cause there was like uh, innovative process, like the actual voice of Reagan, the director, uh, freaking who also did the French connection a couple years earlier. So the director freaking went and got this, um, I don't know if she was an old movie star, but she was definitely like a radio play star uh, named Madeline Mercedes, I believe, because she had like a, a raspy voice. And then to get the actual voice of the possessed demon little girl, he like brought that radio actress in and then he like kept her up for 24 hours straight and then gave her a bunch of booze and had her smoke a shitload of cigarettes and drink egg whites and throw up and just it like really fucked up her vocal cords, but it created this sound because they tried different things for the, for the demon voice. They were like, maybe slow down the regular voice. Can we get a dude voice to do it? And the director was like, I didn't want any voice that sounded either like a man or a woman. I wanted like elements of both to it. And so he just had the idea of like, Oh, I remember her like raspy voice. If I fuck up her vocal cords, she might really be able to do this. And that was like a great, I mean, that demon voice is like, I mean, I'm glad I didn't hear it out on that walk. I'll tell you that much. Still fucking scares me. All right. So the, the mom audio tapes the kids speaking all sorts of languages, goes and brings it to the priest. And the priest is like, yeah, I guess you definitely do have a problem here. Hold on. I got to go get it approved by the church because the Catholic church has to approve this for me to be able to do this shit because nobody's done it in so long. He finally gets it approved, but the Catholic church is like, all right, well, here's the thing. You've never done it before. So we're, we're going to bring in like an A-Tech here. Like you can be the apprentice to this guy. We're going to bring in the A-Tech, get this exorcism done. They bring in Max Foncito, the guy from the opening 10 minutes of the, of the movie who found the amulet because this guy's done an exorcism before. So the old ass priest from Iraq with strong faith is going to be teamed up with the young priest who runs laps and hits the heavy bag, but doesn't really know if he believes in God anymore. He's kind of having a hard time. That's one side of the battle that's about to happen. And they're going to be up against ancient Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian genie, genie, king of the wind, Pazuzu. What the stakes? Solve a 12-year-old girl. So the way this game plays out, the two priests, they do score big early with like holy water and then uh, and saying the, uh, the exorcist prayers and stuff like that. And the demon girl is like doing levitation and like moving drawers in and out and trying to fuck around. But priests score early here. Now you got a turning point in the game here a little bit after the second half, I'd call it when demon possessed girl imitates young priests, dead mom who died recently and does the dead mom voice perfectly and tells uh, and it also uses the nickname that the mom called the young priest when he was a boy. I think it was Demi. So the, the exorcist kid fucking tells the young priest that you let me die in his mom's voice. And that cracks the young priest. He's got to get out of there. 
Because he's he, you know, that put him on tilt there. So the old priest is like, you got to get the fuck out of this room. You can't show this thing that you're scared of it, or that, that it got to you at all. Young priest goes out in the hallway and he's like, God damn, dude, what the fuck was all that? I can't believe I lost my cool. I'm embarrassed of myself there. So finally he goes. So then young priest goes back in to the room. He gets himself together, regroups, dude, has a couple orange slices. Get back in there, dude. Game's not over yet. He gets back in. Old priest is fucking dead. Possessed girl killed the old priest. Again, he had a weak body, but strong faith. Young priest, strong body, weak faith. Also, young priest can't handle this shit. He's so fucking pissed. He just starts fighting the little girl at this point in time, punching her in the face, choking her out. And he's screaming, come into me. And this is the end of the movie. Come into me, come into me. And so the demon then leaps out of the possessed little girl into Father Karras. And you see him transform because now he's got the demon inside. So the little girl is going back to, she just looks like a little girl right now. No more exorcist makeup or anything. Because now the demon's in the priest. And now the priest has the exorcist makeup and like the orange eye contacts in. He's fucking possessed now. But in the last moment, he's fighting the demon he gets a second, he's going to attack Reagan, and he looks up, and that fucking second-story window leading to those steps is out there, and he's like, fuck all this, game over. Swan dives onto those fucking steps all the way down, kills himself to be able to get rid of the demon and save the little girl. At the end of the movie, a priest friend of the young priest, Karis, who killed himself to extinguish the demon, comes up and reads him his last rites, and then at the end of the movie, Reagan doesn't, doesn't remember anything. The demon's vanquished, both priests are dead. It's the end of the movie, right? I did not like saying Pazuzu that many times down in this basement alone. I was like looking left and right when I said Pazuzu a couple of times, but great movie and, you know, super scary, but not to talk about. Talking about it's fine. Watching it, it, the sound and the way it was cut together, and I mean, super fucking scary to me. But that's our basic plot here. Oh, yeah, so those, uh, we'll go over like cool parts of the movie and parts of the curse. What happened there? First off, The Exorcist Steps. That stunt where uh, Father Karras has to jump out to kill himself to extinguish the demon and save the little girl. Okay, so those are a real staircase in D.C. And I've taken two separate pictures of myself looking like I'm breaking my head on them. I mean, like a four-year interval. And back when I had a dating profile like, a couple years ago, those are the only pictures I had. <laughs> where I just had two different pictures of me falling down the exorcist steps and then like no description. It was not very popular, but it made me laugh. But those steps are real. I mean, I, whenever I go to D.C., I try to go down and see them because I think they're kind of cool. Because when that step w- or when that stunt was done, it's really close to the Georgetown campus. So the Georgetown campus kids knew that some dude was going to jump down these fucking steps at least once. So they sold tickets to stand on top of the roof and watch this stunt man jump down these steps. Made a bunch of money. People packing those roofs out to see this stunt. Now, the stunt man who did the fall down the steps, he did it twice. Now, the special effects coordinator... He went and got, um, I think it was like hockey puck rubber, that, that type of rubber, and he lined the steps because they are steep stone steps, dude. It would, I mean, it would definitely kill a priest, I feel like, if he jumped down there from that, from that window. But So he, he put like hockey puck shit on those steps. And then the stuntman who did the stunt two times, the way he explained it was like, he, just went, he, he said he just went zen and completely loose and let himself fall. Like he jumped hard down those steps apparently. And then just, and it's like 90 stone steps, dude. You get some momentum going. I wish I had a way to show you guys how, I wish I had a better way to describe how steep those steps are. But even walking down them, because I've, I've, I've seen them in DC, like going up them is fine. But like going down them, if they're wet, it feels like the kind of steps that are steep enough that if your heel comes off the back, like you're just going to fall on your ass on these steps. That's how steep it is. But yeah, the sunk guy did that twice. Also, after the priest kills himself jumping out those window in, in the movie, when his friend comes up and reads him his last rites, that friend priest who comes up and reads the last rites was just the normal priest. He was just a normal priest that uh, the director knew from life, and he hired on to be like part of the movie to give it authenticity. But when they were shooting that last rites scene, I mean, here's the thing. He's just a normal priest. He's not an actor. So apparently... The director was like, you're fucking going by the numbers here, dude. This isn't, come on, man. I need more from you. I need more from you. And it was just a real life priest. And he was like, yeah, I mean, technically I've read my best friend, his last rites, like 15, 17 times. And it's 2.30 a.m., man. I fucking, what do you want from me? And then the director was like, do you trust me? And the, the priest was like, yeah, I guess. And then the director fucking slapped him in the face as hard as he could, just wailed on him. And the priest was fucking pissed. And then the director stepped back and was like, roll. And so if you watch that scene, 
when the priest friend is, is reading Father Karras' last rites, you see the hand of the of the priest who's reading the last rites shaking. And in, in an interview, the, the, the priest who did that part was like, yeah, no, that wasn't like my acting. Like I was so fucking pissed and I had so much adrenaline going that I couldn't stop my hand from shaking during that shot. And that's the shot they used in the movie. Like, I don't know how much we're learning here, but I, I mean, technically film study, I guess. I don't know. All right, so let's talk about the curse. Jeez. All right, so shooting started August 1972. All right. Early September, the actor who played young priest, the Father Karras character, he decided to take his kids to the beach, and his five-year-old son got drilled by a motorcycle. Now, the son didn't die, but it was like a bad accident, and the son had to be in the hospital for like 10 days. So that's like the first thing that happened here. All right, so then October 1972, I think uh, Carpenter cut his cut his thumb off, and then a lighting tech lost a toe. And then you put that together with Father Karras' son getting hit by a motorcycle, and people are starting to get nervous for how things are going. So the director goes, and he gets a priest to bless the entire set with holy water. All right. The first day of shooting for the old priest, Max Foncito, when he shows up, is the first day. It's like the intro scene where, like, the it's the, I think it's like the box cover of the VHS dating myself there nobody has vhs anymore but like the the box cover poster where it's the the light by the guy and the shaft of light coming out of the house on the priest the day max von zito showed up for his first for his first day of shooting in georgetown he got a call from sweden that his fucking brother died and that was another thing that people were like jesus another guy who man like people chalked that up to the curse but max von zito in interviews is one of the only people who's like there's no curse like explicitly he was like here's the thing if you're going to shoot a commercial for like three days, there's not going to be a curse on it because there's nothing to do. If it's three days, nothing's going to happen. But this movie took over 200 days to shoot. It was like almost a year. So, in, I mean, in Von Cito's opinion, it's like, yeah, well, things happen in a year. Like, yeah, man, my brother died. He, he might have died anyway. It had nothing to do. Von Cito has no faith in this actually being a curse. And he actually was only, one of the only actors not to complain about the director's style of directing. As, I mean, as we said, he slapped that priest friend to be able to get his hand to shake to get the shot he wanted. The director did all sorts of shit like that. Like, I've, I've heard that Kubrick during the, I don't know if during The Shining or, I've heard of people shooting off guns before. This dude, <laughs> this dude shot off so many fucking guns. He just, the way he ran a set, and I don't know how I feel about it either, because it's like, well, the guy wanted, he got a great shot of that priest with his handshake and reading The Last Rites, and The Exorcist is like an incredible movie, so I guess it pays off. But it's like, man, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you just have to roll with it. If you get slapped in the face for a reason, if you're giving a bad performance, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess you gotta be happy you're working on a movie, I feel like. But yeah, some of the stuff this director did was kind of kind of far-fetched here. And some of the actors, when they do interviews now, like Ellen Bernstein, the mom character, it was kind of weird to watch her talk about it because she did the thing where, like, I don't know, she kind of still seems like she's mad in her voice. And then she described the director, William Freakin, as like, uh, he, he's my friend. He's my friend, but he's crazy. He's a, he's a maniac. That's what he, that's what she said. He's a maniac. I don't know. Just the way she said, it, I think Ellen Burst is still kind of pissed about how this all went on. Cause she ended up getting hurt during this. Okay. Remember how that dude, Dirk, uh, Burke Dennings gets fucking killed in the movie, the director who like falls out and his head gets twisted around when that actor wrapped his scenes, right? Two weeks later, he was back in England, died of the flu. They give that to the curse of the exorcist. So we got Max Foncito's brother's dead. Father Karras' kid got hit by a motorcycle. And now we got the guy who actually dies in the movie dying about two weeks later after he's done rapping. There was also an electrical short circuit that caused parts of the film set to burn down. Now, here's the thing. Some people say there wasn't a fire. Like the special effects guy is like, there wasn't a fire. A wire got hot and then there was some smoke. But the other people were like, oh yeah, a bunch of shit burned down. I don't know why there's diff there's conflicting stories on that. But more people said that there was a fire than wasn't a fire. So 70% sure we got a fire going on here that people were still like, God damn it, why? nobody was even there. This is the exorcist curse going on. Oh yeah, let's... uh. A sidebar on like a freaking they, they call it like William Friedkin style, like the, the slapping of the priest. And like we're going to talk about the guns he had now. So uh, when Friedkin decided to shoot the bedroom exorcism scene. So it's it's where Reagan's tied down and you could see their breath and it's the heavy exorcism. It's, it's the game. It's the two priests versus the demon for the soul of the girl. Right. So that's all shot in one room. 
So the director was like, I want to see their breath, but there's no CGI back then. So he just told the special effects guy, can you make this happen? And the special effects guy was like, yeah, give me a second. So special effects dude turns that whole room, which was 40 by 40. He packs it with insulation on the outside. He made it into like a meat locker. And then he hooked up like an AC unit, like a, uh, an industrial refrigeration unit to it. So they, they knocked that room all the way down to like, apparently they filmed in like minus 10 degrees. So when you see the breath in that movie, it's because they're filming in like a makeshift meat locker. And what sucked about that is that they could only film for about an hour at a time. Because I think the director said, well, yeah, I would have the breath I wanted, but then you have to light the scene and there's heat coming off of those stage lights. And so you would, you'd have the room down to like minus 10 and you'd get the shot you want. But then after about an hour, the heat, the heat from the fucking lights would ruin the shot. So you can't see the breath anymore. So everybody would have to leave, seal the room back up, turn the lights off, get the room cold again. And then you can go back and shoot for another hour. Damn, that must have sucked. That, I mean, and this movie went way over budget. It was slated for 85 days of shooting and it ended up shooting for 200 or like 200 plus days. And then they ended up going to Iraq at the end. And it, it was one of the only movies when they, I watched interviews about it that this one dude was like, this is the only movie I ever had to go to the president and be like, I don't know why it's costing this much money. I'm sorry. Like the, the, from going from 85 days to 200 days, I don't know the math on that, but like part of it was because of that. You can only shoot an hour at a time and you got to take like at least an hour off to get the room back to being cold, light it again, shoot it again. So that was cool. If you watch the, if you watch the exorcist scene, that actually is like the cold breath. They shot it in like a fucking, in like a refrigerator that the special effects guy made. All right. Also, okay. So, for, so the possession scenes required the little girl who actually was 12 in her life to be to be thrashed around, right? So the way the special effects guy got got that done is that he built a custom harness by making a mold of her back and then laced it up on the sides, and then he had on the other side of the wall he had it was like mechanically operated by like a, a handful of really strong dudes. So that's why if you watch the movie and she flips up and back and up and back and up and back Undertaker style. That's because there's dudes and like a uh, like a back harness strapped into her that she wasn't doing any of that. It was just, <laughs> she was just in there screaming. And actually, what happened? The harness itself broke, and this is kind of attributed to the curse. Is that like during that scene where she was doing the Undertaker up and down, up and down, up and down, screaming? The harness came loose, and like the the on the side, and so the 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 mold wasn't flush to Linda Blair's back, who played Reagan. And so, like, it permanently damaged her lower back. Like, she still, she still has, uh, has like back problems from it. And she, she just said that, like, she didn't complain at the time because she didn't know to complain at the time. She was just like, all right, it's fine. And she was just kind of being a trooper about it. But Linda Blair would go on to have back problems her whole life. I and mean, she does interviews now. She's like, yeah, fuck my back up, definitely. And that gets attributed to the curse. The idea, like, the Pazuzu demon made the sides of it, you know, kind of rip or undo. But, I don't know, it was also maybe the first time they ever done that special effect. Again, all this stuff can be explained, but if you put all this shit together with the kid getting hit at the beach, Max Fontito's brother, dude dying of the flu out of nowhere, now yeah, you're going to injure little girl's back for the rest of her life. Also, not the only back that Pazuzu came, came for during this movie. The mom, Ellen Burstyn, at one point in time, when she gets slapped in the face by the kid, when the kid's like full-on possessed and she's about to be like, fuck it, I got to go get a priest, when she gets that black eye, Reagan like goes up, slaps her, and the way that special effect was done, because she has to fly back into the wall, because the possessed little kid has superhuman powers now from the demon. So the mom gets slapped, and the way they did that special effect, they had like a harness around Ellen Burson's midriff, and they shot it once, and she she got yanked back hard, and then she told the director like, "Hey, you're gonna fucking hurt me. You can't pull me that hard." I, I could get hurt here. You need to stop. And she said that in front of the special effects guy and the director. And the director was like, okay, sure. And then told the special effects guy in front of her, like, hey, don't pull her so hard. And then when the actress started to walk away, like the director and the special effects guy gave a look to each other. And the, the director admits that he, that he told the special effects guy, like, hey, give it to her. Which like uh, you, the guy was going for the shot, but also ended up hurting this lady's back now. But that and that's the shot they used too. That's the shot, the the one where they had that fake conversation, and then the special effects guy was like, "Fuck it," he told me to yank her. I'm yanking her. What actually happened in that shot 
Ellen Burstyn gets pulled down into the floor and she actually hurts her fucking back. Like it's a real pain. If you see, she puts her right hand behind to hold her lower back. Like you would do if you actually fell and fucked your back up. That's because she actually fell and fucked her back up. She had to leave in an ambulance after that. But apparently in that shot, she gets pulled back. They see her get hit. And then the camera comes in on her face to get her reaction. And that's because the director Friedkin was off camera after he saw it happen and motioned the cameraman in to get a close up because I, because he was like, I don't give a fuck if she heard or not. We're gonna get this shot. And so, I guess in the in the or Ellen Burson tells a story that like if you watch that whole clip, if they didn't cut it, right after she looks up and she sees that the camera's closed, she knew that the director made him come in close on her, and she screamed like, "Get that fucking camera out of my face!" Which is like, "Hey man, yeah, you got hurt. I understand being frustrated. That sucks." But yeah, that was just the style of. That's how the guy wanted to direct the movie. I don't know whether to judge or not. He ended up making one of the all-time classic horror movies of all time, but I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, so he had guns all over the set. This is the thing that pissed off the Father Karras priest, because here's the thing. The guy who plays the young priest was a stage actor. He had never acted on film before, but he had, like, written a play, and then I believe the director went to go see his play on Broadway in New York and was very impressed with it and tried to talk to him afterwards. And then showed him the part, and the Father Karras actor was like, hey, man, I'm fucking perfect for this. you got to give me a shot. But they had already cast that role. But then when he got a look at the at the actor's dark features and his voice and how he just kind of understood the part, then he ended up giving it to that the actor who ends up playing the young priest in there. But So that guy had never acted on film before. So coming off of Broadway, first ever film shoot. And so the director, William Friedkin, would hide firearms around the set. Now, the only person who he would tell before he shot one of these off was Reagan, was um, was the actress who played Reagan. Fuck, I just forgot her name, huh? Linda Blair. Come on, Chris. I'm getting into the story, though. So he would he would like signal to Linda Blair, like, you know, heads up, because that is a 12 year old girl. You don't want to be scaring her. But freaking wanted to create an, an atmosphere of anxiety as if it would be, you know, to be able to help heighten the emotion on the set for the performances. So he would just take a, he would like have like a, a firearm, like a 44 filled with a blank. And when nobody was looking like in between, like during takes, sometimes he would fucking shoot one off. And one of the examples he gave was, um, okay. So when the young priest is listening to the tape that the mom gave him of the recording of the demonic voices, and he's making the decision about like whether or not I'm going to do this fucking exorcism in the take that was used in the film. And he's listening his phone rings and it startles him because he's listening to the tape. That startle was real because what happened was that the director had a shotgun loaded with blanks on the other side of his head and just shot it the fuck off. And that's the take they ended up using. But before that take, that actor had already said like, Hey, don't you fucking shoot any guns off around me. I'm a real actor. I don't need this fucking shit. I'll work myself up. Don't, don't give me this. But during that, and that's the scene they use when the telephone rings and he's actually fucking startled. What actually happened was that uh, the director shot a shotgun pretty close to his face right off fucking camera. And the director and uh, the actor asked the director, like, well, what would you have done if you actually shot? What if you missed and you hit me in the head? And, I, you know, and then the director was like, I don't know. We got Jack, we got Jack Nicholson on the uh, on the line. We can just bring in Jack, which was true. They did think about casting Jack and also Paul Newman in the young priest role, which I thought was pretty cool. All right. So what else is going on here with curses? See the curse itself is kind of weak. Shooting lasted over 200 days. Oh yeah. At the end, after 200 days of shooting, uh, the director was like, I mean, and you're way over budget at this point in time. The director was like, yo, we all got to go to Iraq. I got to shoot in Iraq. Sorry. And so they flew everybody over to Iraq to do the first 10 minutes where Max von Sydow finds the amulet. And so they go over to shoot. And while they were in Iraq, Nine cast and crew members uh, either were put down by heat stroke or dysentery. So people do say that like that may be part of the curse itself. Um, anything we skip that counts towards the curse? Oh, the guy who refrigerated the bedroom set, not the not the guy who designed it, one of like the special effects helpers, the guy who's refrigerating the set, he fucking died. So that's another dead body. And then um, there was also a night security guard that died, unfortunately. So that's another two bodies. So we got Burke Dennings. Max von Sydow's brother, uh, refrigerator guy, and night security guy. Uh, also, Pazuzu took out two lower backs. Long-term damage for Linda Blair. Not long-term damage for Ellen Burstyn, but she was pretty fucking pissed about it. That carpenter lost a thumb. Lighting tech lost a toe. I don't think I'm missing anything. Okay, and then 
found this out right at the end. So remember how I said she, uh, the little girl had to go into the hospital to get those medical tests done and the way it was filmed, like the scene really fucked people up, but it was a real medical test done by radiologists. Okay. And how I said there were two radiologists in that scene. Okay. Well, the one who's the primary doctor, nothing special about him, just an actor. The other one. Okay. The other one may have been a serial killer, at least was a murderer, but there's speculation that he was an actual serial killer. The dude's name was Paul Bateson. Okay. Now the director met him. Bateson worked as like a radiologist in New York City. So the director met him and was like, oh, cool. This guy can be in the movie, whatever. So Bateson's in the movie. And he was actually known in like his personal life to be really good doing this procedure with little kids. Like he was good calming, keeping kids calm and stuff. And that's how, that's the, that's the role he plays in the, in the movie. But he would go on, Bateson would go on, and I believe the movie came out in in 73, and I think it was less than five years, it might have been 77, uh, Bateson murders a reporter uh, for a variety, and it was in like a lover's quarrel, so apparently Bateson was out at a club, and he was involved in like the gay leather community, and so he meets somebody, and then they go home, and then they they like uh, you know they fuck a bunch of stuff, and do do drugs and shit, and then they wake up the next day, and then uh, Bateson thought that like oh maybe I'll like be in a relationship with this guy, and the guy was like I don't want to fucking date you, and then Bateson hit him in the head with a frying pan, and then stabbed him to kill the dude. This is the one guy that this guy definitely killed. Then he, he like confessed to it. He was like hammered. He ended up getting arrested for it. But at the same time that this happened. There was also a string of murders in like a similar community to like the circles that Bateson ran in. And it was called like the, it was the bag murders. I think there was nine bodies found chopped up and put into bags and put in the Hudson river or in some body of water by New York. And so that's why people don't know for sure if this guy was a full on serial killer or if he was just a murderer. And, but when he got sentenced for the one murder, the judge knew about the, the accusations that he might've been like the bag killer also. And so Bateson ended up doing 24 years and nine months because I think he was on trial for murder for 20 years, but the judge put five on top because there was like, it wasn't like there was nothing to the accusations of being the bag murderer, but nobody could prove it. So this guy who was in the radiologist scene in the exorcist ended up doing 24 years and nine months, I believe for a murder and may have been a serial killer. Also when he was in jail for those 25 years, bag murder stopped. But he never admitted to it. They tried to get him for it. He ended up being released, I think, in 2003. And then they said that they found there was an obituary with the same guy's name and Social Security number in 2012. One more thing about that dude who may have been a serial killer in the movie The Exorcist, which may tie into the Pazuzu curse of the production of the film. The Netflix series Mindhunter actually has this dude in it. If you look at season two, episode six of Mindhunter, now they don't say that like, oh, so you were in the movie The Exorcist. But in season two, episode six, they interview um, a gay dude in Rikers Island prison, I think. And they talk to him about uh, they talk to him about like S&M and like they try to get him for the bag murders. And when I found that out, I watched that scene or whatever. So I was like, man, that's pretty cool. So if you want to go ahead and check out my I don't know if you like that show or not. I like the first season, second season. I don't know. I kind of fell off a little bit, but I don't mind it. Um, but yeah, so that the season two, episode six, that's a dude from the radiology scene in The Exorcist. So. I don't know. Look, again, not a whole lot of heavy learning. Did you learn about electricity or magnetism or anything even remotely applicable to your life in this one? Probably not. But I hope you had a good time. One of my favorite movies and hadn't done a curse episode in a while. Why not? Uh, So thanks so much, guys, for listening. I hope your Monday goes all right. And um, yeah, I'll be back on Wednesday with a broken Zoltar and then uh, next Monday. All right.